I'm here with uh, Patrick Flanagan. We had you on Life on the Rock, and you were talking about some of the charitable work you were doing with uh, with people on the military base in Afghanistan, soldiers and civilians, right? And you are retired officer, and now you work as a contractor for the Department of Defense. And I actually I wanted to talk to you about uh, the Middle East, because a lot of us watching news were baffled by like what's going on. So. Your specialty is Afghanistan. Can you tell us about some of the history of Afghanistan and different superpower involvement there? Well, well thanks for having me. And again, I'm not a, a religious scholar or a, a political scientist. I just know the, the, the military aspect of this. So from that perspective, you know, Afghanistan has been on the crossroads of the, the Silk Trail between China and, and the, the West. So there's always been travel through uh, Marco Polo, um, uh, a lot of the other uh, dictators or just, just groups that went through, uh, the Mongols, Genghis Khan. Uh, the history of Afghanistan is, is unique because in one sense, it was always on the cusp of, of uh, civilization. It's between Iran and, uh, and China. Uh, you had a, a dynasty and they were tribal, much like the American Indians. Now you have your different tribes, but they're all American Indians, so the Afghan. Um, actually, Nuristan has some of the, the white Aryans that come from Nuristan because that's some of the, um, uh, early on, some of the uh, conquerors, they, they, they were, uh, had, you know, Anglo-Saxon in them. And because it's, it's so remote, the area, that you can go there and get blonde haired blue eyes. And that's where the Aryans uh, came from. That's kind of the original you know, if you, if you want to get uh, um, with now, they call it, uh, you know, white supremacy or, or the, go back to Germany in World War II or the Aryan race because it's the pure purebred. Um, but getting back to the military, you had the Russians, you know, conquer because that was a buffer in, in, you know, in the Cold War. And they wanted to use that. There's some water reserves, but really, I think it's just, it's geography. And you have Iran to the west and you have Pakistan. To, to the east. And you have the Duran Line, which was created after World War II, um, which was just um, an artificial line that we opposed and says, here is, is the distinction. It would be like, in, again, in the American uh, Indians, if you said, here is the uh, Oklahoma Line. Well, they don't, that's our version. They just right. kind of roam the plains. Right. And so you have a lot of Pashtun. That's, right. that's the, uh, one of the largest uh, ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. And so they run Pakistan as, as well as uh, Afghanistan. And so try to form a government, it was a kingdom. And then when, when the Russians came in, then it was all about buffering because the Americans came in in Vietnam and, and after that, and, and we try to use that as a, as, as a client state to, to fight our wars, so to speak, with, with the Russians. So we would go in there and we would advise and we would assist and then it, during the, the 80s, when Russia was there, that's when we had the Stinger missiles and all the, the, the we used, we helped the Afghans, <coughs> excuse me, to shoot down a lot of the Russians to defeat them. And then they left the country. Well, the, the, the people we built up and the Russians built up became the warlords and suddenly was run by the military ruling class that was tribal, but also was, was, it, was it had skills. And then you can roll on into um, Desert Storm. And that's where we went on the, the, the peninsula of Saudi Arabia, a Muslim 
country, purely Western. Um, and Osama bin Laden didn't like the fact that the, the West had to help protect the kingdom. He wanted to protect the kingdom against Saddam Hussein that invaded Kuwait that was potentially going to roll into Saudi Arabia. So, so Osama bin Laden, that was kind of his, his card where the kingdom said, no, we don't need you. We'll, we'll, we'll use a political solution versus a, a country solution. We, um, Saddam stayed in power, but Kuwait was liberated. We all went home. But yet, Saddam, the problem was still there. And the, the religious breakdown, Saddam was Sunni, right? And the kingdom, what are they? Are they Shia or what are they? Well, so, so the Saudi Arabia is, is, uh, is Sunni. Iran is Shia. Uh -huh. And so there's different, those are two of the main yeah. factions difference. Now, they're almost mortal enemies because they're trying to get the heart and soul of Islam. But the fact that Saddam was going to invade, it was, that was just more of a threat right. than, than a, a religious threat, other than a religious threat to the, oh. the, uh, the kingdom. So it's, it's, it's politics, religion, and just economics all involved in that respect, where Osama bin Laden was more of a, a pure ideolo ideologist, where he just said, I, I want to protect my homeland, my country, my religion. And you worked with... You were in the military at the time. You worked with General Short Squad? Well, I was, um, not to, I don't want to come off as braggadocious or anything, but as a young officer, I was with the, the Army Special Forces who kind of ran the, the buffer zone between, and that's uh, protection that was put in place so there wouldn't be just U.S. military all over the place. Between the Saudi Arabia and Iraq border to the north, <coughs> excuse me, the Kuwait and the Iraq border, there was a 200-mile buffer zone. And the only one that could go in the buffer zone was the special forces. And so I ran all the, the uh, analysis for, for that, that buffer zone. Mm -hmm. And so I reported up to Schwarzkopf. So my analysis was the eyes and the ears of, of Schwarzkopf, so to speak, of gun hunting, as well as understanding cross-border incursions and then just preparing from Desert Shield to Desert Storm mm -hmm. when, when the invasion happened. I went on into Kuwait City and, and helped uh, establish things in the city there. So I'm um, fully understand the, the implications. And, and one of the big things was that Saddam stayed in power. And because he stayed in power, the locals would ask me afterwards is, is um, well, when is he going to leave if he's such a bad guy? You know, there must be something we don't know. So they give us a little breathing room. But as time went on and he still stayed in power and he still did his horrendous things, that was used by Osama bin Laden and the like to say, see these, these Westerners, these Christians, they just want to use you and started sowing the seeds of dissent. And that's what I don't think we accounted for. And that was the rise of this, this, this radicalism because here they have to deal with all these, these infidels on their peninsula, as well as leaving something undone. So there was a lot of frustration. They had to blame someone, so they blamed the West. But it seemed like we could have, I mean, weren't we on the same side as the kingdom to drive out Saddam? But it was a political solution, but yet we didn't solve it for the, 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 the people of Iraq uh, and the people of the Middle East because there was still a dictator in charge. Mm -hmm. We just said, he's okay. Yeah. We're not going to defeat him. We're going to liberate him. Right. We're going to liberate Kuwait. We're not going to defeat Iraq. Yeah. That's the big difference in, in, in our policy. Yeah. Instead of saying we're, we're going to 
solve the problem. Yeah. We just kind of said, we're going to mitigate the, uh -huh. the, the circumstances surrounding it to, to free Kuwait so they can be a free and prosperous country or kingdom. Why, why did Saudi Arabia produce such radicals? Why? Well, it, it's, it's uh, proselytization. They've been doing it. So Wahhabism, that's, that's kind of a, a hard line uh, strain within the, the uh, uh, is, Islamic uh, religion. And so they'll export, they'll spend money all over the world, they'll proselytize. And so that's why they have the, you know, the kingdom, the kingdom and, and the, the, the mullahs. You know, they have Mecca that's there. That was the birthplace of Islam. Mm -hmm. So they, rightfully, they, they want to own, you know, all that uh, history and the religion where they're the true, you know, strand of, of Islam. And you have Shias that's in, in Iran, mm -hmm. and they have the other aspect of it mm -hmm. where they think that they're, um, you know, the true... Um, rightful you know decision makers of islam again without getting too religious i'm not a scholar yeah. but that's that's w where the scuffle is so iran is a is a a state sponsor of terrorism mm -hmm. and so you have the palestinians they, they they grew up on on terrorist activities and you know the destruction of of israel as well as as, as western uh, endeavors mm -hmm. and so how do those how can you reconcile between I'm a state-sponsored terrorism, but yet I'm, 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 I want to represent the whole Ummah, the whole Islamic uh, tradition and religion? Right. Uh, again, that's not for me to say or not say. Yeah. From the military perspective, <coughs> excuse me, that's, that's all that I look at is, yeah. you know, who's, who's a threat to us and who's not a threat to us militarily? Right. And then what are the motivations behind it? And the importance of Afghanistan, you said, is because it's between a, a Pakistan and a Iran, and the placement of it is that important? well. The importance of it for for, for the, the the Taliban and the Talib is 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 just a um, you know a student, and most of the Talibs are funded by the Wahhabism out of Saudi Arabia, where a lot of international money that's this Islamic based gets sent to Pakistan in the northwest uh, frontier. And they had they funneled and trained in what they call um, um, the schools there. So you go to the different madrasas where they teach the Islamic scholars, but they also teach them from learning from what happened in the in the eighties with against um, Russia. So, so now it's a radical strain of his, uh, of Islam where I'm teaching you to have a holy war, a jihad. So I'm, I'm, it's a factory that's churning out um, terrorists. Now, some may disagree with that. that that's fine. But I look at it as it. So you have this 70 or 80 million Pakis, um, you know, Pashtuns, and they are all want to learn their religion better. So that there's an unlimited supply going to these schools. Once they graduate the schools, now they're trained to look at Islam, but also look at through the lens of, of a gun or a weapon because I have to expel someone out of out of these territories and, and so um osama bin laden he used the ungoverned space of afghanistan after the russians were expelled or after they left to to use his base there so then then he used the train muhajideen and and the the fighters that were learned their skills against the russians 
and he used that to train against the West, specifically because we were the ones that were in Saudi Arabia that he, him and his family was a big construction company and he wanted to protect the kingdom. Kingdom has said no, so he's now thinks that they're, we as the West are, are the root of a lot of evils in the world, so he's out to get us. And that's it's, it's a loosely definition of it. Again, some people may disagree on the specifics, but that's that's how the, the game is set up. So when they attacked, we we followed where the stuff came from. So we went to Afghanistan, yeah. and then he left. He got away, and we didn't eliminate it. Just like we didn't stop with Saddam Hussein. If we would have got him within, in my opinion, the first couple of months, it would have been over. We would have went back home and said, we're not here to invade anything. We're just here to stop someone who hurt us. And that would have been fair in a lot of people's mind to say, okay, these guys killed a lot of your people. You came in here, you killed a lot of ours, but you eliminated this, this radical guy. Yeah. And there wouldn't be this 18 years later of... of, right. of Do you think, was he, did he hide out in Afghanistan or did he immediately go to Pakistan? Uh, there's speculation. He, yeah. he, he went over, you know, we had the... Uh, the shock and awe uh, of, our, of, our, of um, the invasion of Iraq. But before that, you, you, I think we started, because I was there just after 9-11, I got sent there. And there was not a lot of troops on the ground, but they were focused on finding, you know, um, Osama bin Laden. In Afghanistan. Yes. Yeah. And then shortly after, there was a pivot to, to Iraq. So I think it because Bush Jr., George W. Yeah. Bush, wanted to... He saw Iraq as equally threat, and he wanted to, you know, right. go out to, to change the world mm -hmm. in, in a better way in his mind versus mm -hmm. just solving a problem that was there. Yeah. So because, again, I look at history and I look at the military history, if Saddam Hussein was taken out by his father, the son wouldn't have to come and do it, or America wouldn't have to be obliged to, to go in again. Right. Whether you believe Iraq or you don't, believe Iraq, we should be there. Yeah. That's, a, that's not my fight. Yeah. What I'm just saying is militarily. So we went to Afghanistan, but then we also went into back into Iraq to solve a problem we left undone. Mm. And it took us 12 years-ish to find Osama bin Laden. So in that 12 years, since 2001, people have looked and said, what are you doing here? Mm. And so we were doing two things. Well, we're looking globally for Osama bin Laden, but we're also trying to create this stable, democratic, Islamic Republic of Afghanistan versus just take out the cancer and then go home. Yeah. And so that's the, the political, social issue that we, we've been dealing with for the last 18 years. Right. And like we see on the news today, you know, it's reported that ISIS has dramatically shrunk. What is the cause of that? Well, it, it shrank by, by land, by space. So uh, Baghdadi, Abu Bakr Baghdadi is, is the emir, declared emir. It means he's just the leader of the caliphate. And the caliphate, you look at your history, and, and everyone wants to return to the glory days where the caliphate was. That's the ummah, which is the, 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 the body. It's like the body of Christ, but it's, it's, well, it's not the body of Christ. It's, it's the, the population that's, that's Islam. So the ummah is the, the caliphate. Is, is there to bring it back to its its state and reinstitute Sharia law and, and, and make religion right again. But they're doing it by the, the point of a gun. And so they had a lot of territory. And that was, again, because we didn't 
you, you can look at the origins because we didn't solve Saddam. You had all these little factions that were fighting. Mm -hmm. And then we, we kind of pulled out with, with um, uh, President Obama mm -hmm. and some of these factions festered and they just mm -hmm. grew. And one of them was the, the creation of ISIS. Mm -hmm. That's a simplistic a view of it, but that's what happened. So they, they gained a lot of territory because we weren't there. Territory in Iraq? In Iraq, okay. in Syria. So then they were Sunni, mm -hmm. so Iran is Shia. Right. So Iran and Russia says, well, we're going to kill these guys. Uh -huh. Well, you also had the state, meaning Syria, the, yeah. the, the, the president there. Mm -hmm. Well, he wanted to stay in power, and you had the whole, what's the red line? Because they have chemical weapons if they gas mm -hmm. their people. We'll go in there. Mm -hmm. Well, we never did. So now you have the, the president of Syria being backed by Iran and Russia against the Islamic State. But then we come in. And so are we friends with the Islamic State because we're against the, the, the Syrian regime? Or are we with the Kurds? So there's a lot of who are we with kind of thing. So it was all kind of muddled. And then you had the international layer on that, which is never good when you have too many cooks in the kitchen. So for four years, they just grew, the Islamic State grew. And then now finally we uh, got them down to almost, I think today they just announced they got the last remnants of the territory. But just because you take the territory away doesn't mean, because it's a religion, it's a religious aspect. So they just scatter to the winds, kind of like when you turn the lights on, the cockroaches go. You can say there's nobody here, Mm -hmm. but they're still living in the area. Mm -hmm. So if you're not physically occupying the turf, when you leave, they'll just come back like water. It's just so going to seek its own level. It was like military conquest taking back territory? Yes, because the Islamic State is, was very, very militaristic. Yeah. I mean, they were ruthless, and they, and they were almost like a, a conventional yeah. army in certain ways. Yeah. They took, they had different divisions. They, they took turf. They had equipment. And our... And see, I guess the question I'm wondering is like, was it largely of it imploding on itself, ISIS, because of its deep corruption and violence and just craziness? Or was it our military taking back Turkey? Well, it's our, our military advisors with the, 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 the other coalitions that are there, mostly the Iraqis that were in Iraq and, okay. and some of the um, Syrian forces. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the international community that was there. So we, we enabled them with either air power or other s such things. Yeah. And yes, we, we took the turf away because if you, you, you constrain their supply lines, they, they, they can't you know, replenish their stores. And suddenly, if you just got an op a preponderance of force against them, they, they gotta give up. Yeah. And it's been four years in. Yeah. But, but initially when they, they stated this is our caliphate. You had people coming from this country, from all over the world, uh, brides going, saying, I have to give birth and repopulate so I can help the, the you know, the ummah, the caliphate grow. Yeah. And, and so the, there's a allure and that, that aspect of, of Islam is, oh, I want to set the caliphate again. Yeah. Well, now in Afghanistan, you have ISIS and they're not as, as, as uh, established as they were in, in Syria. But nonetheless, they're still there, and they fight against the Taliban, and they fight against the regime, and they fight against pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. And so there's that that dimension to it. So it's not just the coalition versus the bad guys. There's a, there's a, a third bad guy, and these bad guys fight mm -hmm. the Taliban and all the affiliates of Taliban as well as the ISIS. Mm -hmm. 
And we don't know how that's going to play out as far as is, can there be a peace? Will there be a peace? I'm sorry, in Taliban, that's Shia? Or is, that, is that part of Shia? Sunni. Sunni. Okay. Sunni. And, and Turkey's role in this, because I've heard Turkey is more, it's gotten more radical now with some of its, its leadership. Yes, Turkey's the wild card where, uh, you know, I, I think publicly they'll, they'll say one thing and, and uh, <coughs> excuse me. But they're, you know, they're on the periphery, but yet, you know, they have the Kurd problem where there's there's various different types of Kurds, but everyone looks at the Kurds as, as one monolithic chunk, but yet there's different factions or different uh, uh, areas of that have different um, goals and intent. So just like in, in Afghanistan where you have ISIS and you have the coalition. Well, now you have Kurds. Now you have another dimension as we talked about Iran and Russia. So all those people are playing in the cabal and, and, and we're looking at it from nation state. Okay, this is the Jordan, this is the Syria, this is Turkey, this is Iran, this is um, Iraq. Those are nation states, but they're non-state actors. A lot of these and some state actors are playing in there just like we are in this non-state actor kind of role. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it, it's, it's, you have to follow it to understand it, but the, the, my net result, I always stand back and say, okay, where are we at? You know, is the caliphate still there? Well, there's no land there, but is, is the leader still living? Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. Have I seen those themes before? When we leave, go back to our original discussion, when Saddam Hussein was left in, mm -hmm. he just created chaos because he was the engine behind all that destruction. When we didn't get Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan, he was the, the, the destruction. People used him as a rally cry. I, I, I proper the same result here. Unless we find Baghdadi, it, something else is just going to evolve. It's not only he's going to make it evolve, but people look and they'll say, America or the West, you can't stop this look at all these examples therefore there's no reason for me to do anything good with you if i really am hardcore believing that that i shouldn't so just out of the, the pure right and wrongness of it of you, you uh, did horrible things to people in syria i mean from rape camps and women to just burning people at the stake to crucifying them to just starving children those things uh, itself, the, the world should cry out and say, we got to put a stop to this. I don't care what religion you are. You, you, you are no longer going to exist. We'll, we'll prosecute you. We'll eliminate you, whatever the, the mechanism is. But we're not doing that. So the, the, the Muslims around the world look at that and say, A, either it must be okay, because I, I don't know. You're not strong enough, so we must be on the right, because that's what the, the Quran says. Or I just don't know. There's too much stuff going on. I hear different versions. It's just too much noise in the world. It's too confusing. I'm not sure, so I'll just kind of take myself away. I'll still practice my religion, but I'll be kind of a spectator and wait for someone to emerge as the victor of, of which way to go, kind of like a, um, you know, a religious guide. Even though my religion is good, I, I still think that there's norms. There's good people in all religions. I'm not saying all Muslims are bad or good or all Christians are bad or good. It's just I'm looking at the military landscape. And so that's what people are forced to look at is the reality of it. And without a definitive yes or no, good or bad, they're left kind of on their own 
And that's where we're at is a lot of people are self-determining. And so you see a lot of this, this uh, self-radicalization. People are just using terrorism as a way to get back at someone else because there's no stop. So it's like if the police never stop people for speeding, people would suddenly say, hey, I can speed and never get stopped. Mm -hmm. And I might control myself, but yet you might not, or I might control myself half the time. Mm -hmm. So at what point do you need law and order in the world? And right now it's lawless, in, 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 in my opinion, because we're not stopping terrorism in all its, its facets. Yeah. It's not just an East versus West. There's more Muslim on Muslim killing than there is Muslim on non-Muslim killing. So just just the sake of not having Muslims kill other Muslims, we should that should be another example of why we shouldn't allow this terrorism to just kind of flourish without any hard yeah. stops. And what is the impact on Islam about you know without having a definitive hierarchy? You have all these factions. Talk about that. Why why are there so many factions? Well, I, I, again, I'm not a religious scholar or or um, anything, but just a a military analyst, but you look at most Christian religion, there is there is a certain order and hierarchy, and they have disciplines, they have traditions, and then there's you know governance rules. Islam has that, but it's very flat, where there isn't one central or, or a group of central imams that say, okay, here is is the way everyone is going to act about a certain subject. So the local mullah. <coughs> excuse me, has his own kind of freedoms as long as he's teaching the book. So I can pull any chapter like out of the Bible and I can say you should, you know, an eye for an eye is, you know, I, I can I can pick and choose things and I can emphasize that, but is it really to the body of the religion or what the charism should be of love and nonviolence? So, you, you, so a lot of these, um, the farmers and the uneducated, that's all they know is they have to go to pray five times a day Sometimes they, they, they won't go to the, the, the mosque because it's, it's, it's there, you know, in the fields. <coughs> but they'll go to the Friday mosque for sure, and that's the longer sermon, and that's where the mullah gets to preach. And so we used to count, and there used to be these radical imams and, and mullahs, and there used to be the moderate, and there used to be the very good ones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the Taliban would tell would, would target the very good ones and say, you know, you need to stop that preaching. You need to just be more radical. And then the governor government would look at the radical ones. So it's this kind of crisscross game. So they have to be imposed upon to moderate versus moderate from within. Now, some people take offense to that and say, no, Muslim, you know, I can show you crap chapter and verse that Islam is a peaceful religion. I say, sure. I'm, People make up the religion. There's peaceful people and not peaceful people. But I, I, know, I can't reconcile the fact that, you know, four or 5,000 Westerners have died in Afghanistan, a fair amount in Iraq and Syria, and then globally, daily, there's just 20, 30 events, and it's all in the name of Allah. Most of them are. You don't see someone in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to kill you or, or, or uh, martyr myself. Now, you had kamikazes in World War II. There, there's been examples of this throughout history, but at a global scale, um, this is unprecedented, in my opinion. So I don't have the answer other than I would tell people if then, then self-governed. I mean, if, if, if you tell me we're peaceful, but yet I read on the news that 30 more 
events happen tomorrow and then each day, mm -hmm. I, I can't reconcile that in my head, almost like the, the local Muslims can't when they're faced with why is America here? Why is the West here? Mm -hmm. And and if, but I still got a dictator that's, mm -hmm. that's causing me harm. So who should I believe? Mm -hmm. We're left with that as a West. And it's not my right to tell the religion what they are or they aren't. I only go by your actions, just mm -hmm. like the, the verse says, I hope I get it right, but it's, you know, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Well, Right now, the only thing I know from Afghanistan is it's very dangerous. People want to kill people that aren't Muslim. Yeah. And I don't know if that's religious, if it's political. But that, again, I, I can't distinguish, so it's not for me to pick and choose. It's for someone else to say this is why it is. Yeah. And because it, we ha it hasn't been done, therefore it's just flat, as, as the premise was, where it's the local mullahs. And there's certain people that speak up against it. But it's just like me speaking up against something in the church. It's my yeah. opinion. It's yeah. not an official, doctrinal, authoritative yeah. that, that can make a difference. And the city of Kabul itself, you said, is, is a modern city? And it, it's, it's more modern. It's one of the modernists. It used to be very modern. And then it went kind of de decay in, as the Russians were. But it, it's more uh, cosmopolitan. I mean, you have a lot of women work. You have... You know the social fabric. Families live together. They're not on the farm. They're they're more in, in, in working in stores, shops, and things. So in that respect, it's a lot foreign to the the, the hinterlands in Afghanistan. And there there seems to be a little bit of stress between ah those those people in Kabul. You know they're yeah. they're they're in our words heathenistic. Right. You know they aren't right. living the true Muslim life. Yeah. So uh, everything from the dress. You know wearing the the hijab, which is just the face covering, to the burqa, which is the full body covering, you know, that's a tension too between some of the, the people they point and they say, look, you're westernized. So that's why there's a lot of tax in Kabul yeah. as well. Do you think, um, do you think like Islam, like the radicalism, do you think that can survive in the West? I mean, like, like secular Westernism kills Christianity. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it, uh, it takes the zeal out of Christianity. You know, a lot of people lose their faith, lukewarm Christians. You think you have like a devout Muslim coming into Europe, would they survive the secular West in their faith, you know, and keeping their faith strong? Would a Muslim survive? Mm -hmm. Sure, I think, and, and, and they do. And I think I have a lot of good friends that are they're, they're Muslims here. And and um, you wouldn't know they weren't weren't Muslim or devout or not devout, but but they are, they'll go pray. Mm -hmm. and, and um, but their, their practice and their faith is a person. And, and sometimes because it isn't, there's not a mosque in every corner. Mm -hmm. so, th so they have to go to participate in, in, in where some of the centers are. You know, you look at Dearborn, Michigan, Washington, D.C. area, where there's a collection. But even then you get some, some, some radical and so it's easy to be prejudicial on both sides to say you're just targeting me because we're a small minority mm -hmm. or how much leeway do I give you before enough is enough. Right. So that's that's the tension. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think just like any uh, small uh, aspect, uh, wh whether if it's a, a family or a, a group of people, it's, you know, they, they have to put their best foot forward. Sometimes that's not the easiest thing because you're under a microscope because of the history 
our history of the last 20 years of the only thing the TV knows is, oh, Muslims are Taliban, Taliban attacks Western, and they hate Western. There's no middle ground. We're not given that space for the middle ground because we're not trying to solve a problem. We're just trying to just exercise it and use kind of kick gloves instead of saying, you know, let's call a spade a spade. And I think then the religions, both of them, both groups will will kind of come together and, and, and solve the problem and say, wow, okay, why are you radicalized? What, what causes you to radicalize? And I think a lot of that's just social too. It's playing the victim. Uh, that's why do the kids that live in their mom's basement radicalize and join ISIS? And because they want an identity, mm. and to to be picked on by the U.S. is an identity. It's like a badge of honor. I mm. solved it. I was a commander in the. I I did it, and so we're we're giving them props, but we're not solving it because we're not taking out. It's not just taking out the leader. We're not eliminating it to say this guy did something to us. Yeah. Now we're just going home. We're taking the stress away. It's like the police just come out of, you know, from, from doing a full court press and, and having uh, stopping everyone and, and checking them for DUIs and stuff. You know, you irritate a lot of people. But then when you stop it, okay, the police are doing their job. Okay, you know, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Well, I hope uh, it makes sense to you. Thank you much for inviting me. You.